welcome to the old school podcast, uh, musings, uh, rants, um, philosophical thoughts uh, about the modern education system, the problems that, uh, that are found within the education system, and possible solutions, if anybody bothers to take our word for it. Uh, you have Dr. Stephen Bourgeois, and I am Ross Miller, and welcome Located and found on some of the platforms where you get your podcasts, I imagine. Here fairly soon, it'll be all of them, but not right now. No. Um, We're pacing ourselves. Um, absolutely. And you said something pretty funny earlier about uh, solutions, and, and it, it occurred to me, why don't people just ask us? You know, and we could solve a lot of issues if they would come directly to us. You know, educational policy. Um, you know, we're ready. We have answers and nobody's asking. I agree. Um, I think on our first episode, you mentioned the college football playoffs. Um, we could, we could solve that as well. There's a lot of stuff we could solve, you know, but right now, uh, the task is education. It's a Monday night, not our usual uh, time to record podcasts, but I am flushed from the front lines. <laughs> uh, I have uh, I have seen the beast and is within us, and I have wrestled with my inner demon today to try to educate America's youngsters. So I'm feeling match fit at the moment. Um, so this is what they do to you, because uh, I can see the lines on your face, and you're looking <laughs> older here, Miller, quite frankly. <laughs> Well, I told you, it's just uh, kind of a Charlie Rose-like kind of scene I got going on here with a black background. It, I think it uh, it highlights my rather um, older features, perhaps. They are older, and I'm worried you're going to fall asleep halfway through this time. It, it could yeah. happen. Me and the listeners, we're all going to fall well, asleep halfway through. <laughs> it could happen exactly the same moment. Um, what are we talking about, Ross? We're talking about some of the wonderful get to know you break the ice kind of things that happen at the beginning of the school year actually before the actual students arrive it's when the teachers initially arrive and some of the things that are found within some of the things that it is some of the ways that it could be that's the topic for today why don't you uh start us off talking about i mean you've you have already expressed here, and we have expressed in other ways, talking about meetings, about the particular problems with these kinds of things. But let's talk specifically about this kind of thing. What is your beef? Or do you have a beef? Oh, I do. A big one. I, I mean, back to when I was teaching, I didn't look forward to the, to the summer training. And once I started uh, the training, I, I looked forward to it even less. And, and by the end of that week, uh, every time I drew, drove by the dis district office, I thought, I'm going to turn in my resignation now and get over it. I can't do another day of this. Um, and I'm not exaggerating. I, I'm, I never use hyperbole ever. Uh, so, um, But I, I think that the, the, I guess it doesn't feel authentic when, when they try to do these get to know you things. Um, often they'll ask you to tell something to the group uh, about you that they don't already know, you know, and, and first of all, that's none of their business. I, if I chose to tell them, I would have, um, but they set up a structure uh, often, um, like maybe you walk around the room, uh, like you're at a cocktail party or something, and you try to find somebody who, who went on the same vacation place as you did or something like that. Have you encountered something like that? 
I have encountered something like that. But I would ask you this, though. I mean, you consider that a principal, a school leader has got to do something at the onset of the very first coming together after a summer break. And he's already or she's already dealing with a crowd that may or may not want to be there. It's not that they don't want to be there necessarily, but they they're just coming back from the vacation. They may have they may still have the tan line from the, you know, from the Hawaiian vacation or whatever the case may be. Mentally they may be there, but spiritually perhaps not yet. And I will say that usually it is not until the students come back that the rush begins that I get excited again. It is not you know, the, the things that you're talking about. So I guess my question would be, what do you expect a school leader to do in lieu of some of the things that you've been subjected to? There definitely has to be some getting to know, you know, the the new people, particularly because there are new people. A, A simple way would just be to have them introduce yourself and then start getting right, right to business. Um, but but something about it, it it feels disingenuous, and that always bothers me because I, I'm in, uncomfortable and I don't like you know I'm not happy, and so I just wonder if everybody else is actually into the activities and loves it and finds it funny. You know, I'm I'm kind of in, inwardly cringing and trying not to show it. Um, but then when they come to me, I'm a teacher pleaser, and so I'll tell my little story about what I did over the summer, and I, and I don't lie even. You know, I just right. <laughs> tell it, um, and then I, I feel like I have to wash when I get home because I, I compromise my integrity at that moment by being friendly. It wasn't no; it's actually pretending to be friendly because the oh. truth is, I, I I mean, I'll get to know these these teachers in my own way. You know, I'm I'm very sociable, and I think um, having those connections naturally rather than in a artificial way. I mean, we met you and I at a professional development, but, but I think we, we talked outside um, very quickly, but not, we didn't have a get to know you session where we asked, you know, about your family and what color of eyes your grandmother had or something. You know, we, we had a real conversation. My mother had an abortion. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm worried about doing this in the evening. (laughs) Miller. Is this this kind of thing you're worried about people volunteering? I think so. Um, but How I, was your I, summer? Well, there's cankles and, you know, I just, you know, the rheumatoid arthritis is just acting up. You know what I mean. It, Maybe you don't. I don't, but it's, 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 it's to me, it's a downer. And, and yeah, everybody wants to get into their classroom and work, but it's good to yeah. see each other. And, and I'm, what I, I guess, why not just give the, grown-up teachers a chance to mingle you know it's a real great activity it's hey talk to each other we have some food you know some refreshments so just hang out for a little bit and, and maybe talk to somebody you haven't met before you know that, perhaps, that's a a good activity. Player, perhaps a piano player in the corner well that always makes it better and yes um yeah and, and if we could have adult beverages it would make it even better um but maybe do it off-site you know that part of it um, but that's my suggestion is, is yes, do it, but don't do these little pretend conversations, which I think are, you, know, you really get masks who somebody is. You really can't get to know somebody because they're almost reading from a script at that point. Do you think it creates a false atmosphere going forward? Or do you think it prevents people from getting to know each other organically later on? This kind of faux... Mm-hmm. camaraderie, everyone pulled together, uh, tell each other what we did over the summer kind of a thing. 
Um, I mean, the more I think about it, this could just be my own individual psychosis. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't like meeting new people or exposing things that are even halfway personal. But I guess my 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 gripe is that they are asking for things personal, even if it's a little bit. You know, right. you know. Uh, for example, I mean, we've had little personality tests, and, and I guess that's a great icebreaker. You know, to, for everybody to take a little survey, and, and and they're quite detailed. And eventually, you have a color. Do you remember what your color was? I don't recall taking this kind of test. I've had. Did we do it at our share? We did, I, and it, I don't know. I don't it, remember. I, I think I blocked it out like a lot of trauma. <laughs> but, but I I remember the color green, uh, and I don't know what that meant. Um, except except I was uh, a radically introverted person. Um, who also needed to be in control. It's a weird combination. <laughs> so I need to be leading, but I really don't want to talk to people when I do it. I just want them to implicitly do what I want. If I had to guess, my I don't know what my color would have been. Let's say red. Let's, you know, say, so let's say red. I don't know what that means. That sounds like a dangerous color to be in a personality test, but let's say it was red. I can imagine getting something along the lines of incredibly introverted yet wanting to be in charge yet not wanting to be the center of attention i have a lot of conflicting i don't know what color that would be but do you think that was it that was it yeah i, I think <laughs> maybe you're orange or something i don't know um but but what do you do with that information i mean it, it it's certainly not your leadership style because you lead in, in a way that has nothing to do with your your color, the idea is that, oh, now you understand the relative strengths and, and how to talk to each other. But let, you know, I, I forgot all the people who are green. And, and if somebody else was green, like, like I was green, I didn't trust them. I thought, you know, they're not really green. Right. Um, so, so for, throughout the rest of the year, I see him in the hall and now that guy's, you're not green. You know, that was a, that was a farce. <laughs> you lied. <laughs> you know, right. you're not that way. You didn't answer those questions truthfully. Yeah. And, and I the, think, I think part of it is like you look at it, you say to yourself, okay, well, the, the school leader has got to put something together and it could be something perhaps more pleasantly along the lines that you suggested, perhaps an offsite uh, gathering, a mingling of uh, folks. Um, I think, I think the, the kind of the litmus test for what you do and what you don't do is if the exercise doesn't stick with you past 10 seconds after you've left the room, Perhaps that's not where you want to go with it. You want you want you want something that's going to stick. You want something that's going to mean something later on. Now, you know a lot of a lot of principals nowadays that you know they they have. Um, I don't know if a lot of them, but some principals nowadays have like a theme they want to they they want to emphasize for the year. And you know the idea of you know it could be anything. It it could be something that kind of hit the principal over the summer, something they thought about, something that's in response to what happened the year before or what they expect to happen this year, but something that could be a galvanizing force and something that can be referred to and repeated and revisited multiple times throughout the year. Okay. So not organic, but again, something that's supposed to last longer than just, you know, the first day of everyone coming back together. Do you see that as being something that's either functional, can have a purpose to it? 
Um, I don't believe it um, because I, you know, I've, I've been to as many of those as you have. We're right. probably about equal at this point. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't remember taking anything beyond the 10 seconds except for that green thing. And it just <laughs> it bothers me that other people are green. Um, but, but no, I don't, I, don't, I don't believe you can do something like that to be effective. Um, I see value in getting to know teachers that, that are kind of outside of your department and the people that you, because if you watch where people sit at faculty meetings, you know, they'll tend to go just like kids would, you know, it's like the lunchroom, you know, the cool <laughs> kids or, um, but you tend to go where your comfort is and you sit with them. And so I think if, you know, if I were leading a group of teachers, the first thing I would say is you need to sit somewhere else. Um, and then, yeah, any, anywhere. But then, you know, there, there's always group work in, in, in these um, sessions. Um, so if the worst of that is that you have to do group work, but with new people, you know, that, that's not terrible. Um, but I, I don't know how you can cast a mission and vision with something that's uh, a little bit cliche. So some, something about it still bothers me. I'm not satisfied. Is it possible that outside of hosting some sort of wine and beer function at some sort of beer garden at a local establishment, is it, is it possible that really anything that's dreamed up of and considered is formulaic and predictable and unorganic and not worth, doesn't have value to it? Anything else that exists beyond something of a, of a much more informal gathering? I'm trying to think of what would what would be meaningful? Um, imagine if half the group were in their classroom working, being left alone. Mm. Uh, and the others were tasked with wandering the school and interrupting people who are working. Uh, I mean, that that's my word picture of, of what's kind of happening because there's this tension in a, in a training where people want to be in their room. So it's got to be better than that desire uh, mm-hmm. to be back in your room. And, and that's kind of the opportunity cost of, of something like that. Um, I will say, I mean, my own research agenda has to do with collective teacher efficacy, uh, which is the um, awareness of the group as a whole and your anticipation that that group can be successful. And so, so there is an, a need um, for, to know what your colleagues are doing. Um, but I think on the substantive side, you know, just hearing them talk about their best practices is enough than, than hearing about where they went on their, their summer vacation. So based on the research you did, is that what you're finding? The idea that shared ideas or kind of the informal setting might be more productive, it might be more beneficial, or are you hearing complaints, but not necessarily anybody who's experiencing this in a good way? Um, There are a lot of things that can build cohesion in a a faculty. And I think, you know, creating... uh, mission together, you know, being involved in in serious conversations of of the goals for the year. Mm -hmm. Um, That matters. And then the teachers are able to communicate that and they understand it because they built it. So I I just think doing something substantive um, after, you know, maybe a little five minute activity, fine, go ahead and do that, break the ice, nothing nothing wrong with an icebreaker, but then do some actual planning and um, involve everybody. Uh, I think that's, that's going to last and that, you know, that ultimately that's, that's what makes a difference. Maybe something where you have a bunch of groups representing different departments all coming together, and maybe they have to create 
some sort of project or lesson plan that incorporates some element of all of their disciplines. Could you see value in that for yeah. perhaps? Yeah, the part of the, you know, because it's it's real. And mm-hmm. I guess that, you know, or you could put that group together and have them, you know, give them toothpicks or popsicles and, and build build something. You know, right. they're, they're learning little things about being in a group, but um, not really getting to know each other beyond something that's a little bit silly. But perhaps they are, you know, because I, I think one, you know, you and I have talked about before that it's problematic that, um, um, that we have departments because what it does is it compartmentalizes not just the subject, but it compartmentalizes the thinking. And if you had a means by which, you know, an, an English person, a social studies person, you know, science, math, music, whatever the case may be, if they were all kind of working together, then they, you have the opportunity to see what different thinking and what different problem solving looks like, you know, and maybe there's value in that. Maybe there's value in learning something about somebody else at that level that's perhaps more substantive. Um, perhaps more rewarding, but not only that, something that you could then use later on down the road in your own classroom. See, and I, I think you're getting warmer now. That's kind of what I what I'm getting at, um, because you know the the personal stuff that, that's great just to break the ice. But um, you know maybe the faculty doesn't know you know that that you have some extra expertise outside of teaching history, right? Um, and and how are they going to find out? You know this is a good time for that. You mm-hmm. know I I teach German. That's my subject, but how many other German te- or speakers are there in there? That that would be interesting. Um, right. uh, who who is just fascinated with history and has a lot of knowledge? You'd, you'd want to know that, and there's no venue for for that to come out. Mm-hmm. So perhaps this is the the opportunity and the opportunity to 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 call on intelligences that we may not readily be able to use or share. And so it is kind of a get to know you, but on a kind of deeper more practical, more organic sort of way. I think we're getting there. I think that's that's pretty good. Um, what about doing book studies? Because often a, a principal and um, you know they, they read, they read a lot of things, but sometimes they get taken by a text and they mm-hmm. say, and the idea comes to them, why don't we do a book study with this book that I find important? Um, you've, you've sat through a lot of those. How do those work? They don't. Uh, and it's not because of the it's not because of the activity itself but i think increasingly you and i are odd ducks odd ducks in, in the sense that we love to read and i think increasingly people are less and less inclined to read certainly substantive material you know and so i think one you're dealing with folks who, especially the younger folks, and I don't mean to kind of to, to, to lump into all one category, all of my younger colleagues, my younger brothers and sisters in the field, but, um, but there is kind of this, it seems like there's this increasing reluctance to read. And, and when you're talking about reading, it's time consuming and it's a time commitment. And that is also something that tends to drive people away. I think that there is a there's a cadre within every staff of folks who are inclined to do this, but I don't think it's widespread. 
it's possible that you're gonna just like high school kids who don't read their lesson you know or read the book <laughs> you know if there's a cliff notes version the teachers will ask for that but yeah um i just wonder what what percentage are are prepared for that conversation and, and it's very much like like students I and mean, we've we've led all kinds of discussions with students uh and occasionally we talk, have a good conversation with one or two and the rest is ju are just an audience uh, and that that's my experience with with book studies of, of faculty as well i will tell you about it in a kind of more of a microcosm when i started doing when i started becoming a uh, department chair yeah what i started to do is that we would have a handful of meetings throughout the year and so usually like a month out i would send a professional article something that spoke to good gracious that was loud uh something that spoke to um some element of the field, some element of historical historiography, that sort of thing. And the idea would be that at some point after we got done, whatever business I had to dispense with, then we could kind of launch into this more informal kind of conversation about what people thought about the article. The article may have been 10 pages, maybe less, or whatever the case may be. And I think the reluctance I got from that and what happens is you get the same dynamics as in the classroom. You got a couple of folks that read, you got a couple of folks that want everyone to think that they read, and then everyone else is pretty much just quiet. And and it's, I guess I I guess I assumed that everybody would be as interested in talking and reading about this as I would, and I learned a very painful lesson that indeed that was not the case. Uh, now I kept it going for a while, but then after a while, it's like, well, this is just it's a exercise in futility, you know, um, and they're getting tired of hearing me talk about this. And so I'm saying um, anybody, anyone, anyone, anyone any, <laughs> any, any, you know, anything you came, any, any personal experiences from your, from your teaching profession uh, that kind of co correlates with what was said in the article crickets, you know, that sort of thing. So um, it would be great if we could do it. I just don't see how, I don't see how plausible it is. Well, there, there's something, Mr. Miller, that you may not be aware of, but there's a, a school, a very small private school in Kansas, and I won't give away the the, the city, um, that, that has has read a lot of the things um, you know that, that I published some 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 articles, but they've also read uh, our piece on teaching as entertainment, mm. um, and so as part of their professional learning and everybody reads it then they talk about it but not just in, a, in one sitting but an ex extended series of conversations and so i would argue that reading our work is absolutely appropriate in in, in schools uh, and and we would encourage that you know certainly um yeah why not well why not you know start uh let's start uh making some money here you know well, let's start you know let's start uh um you know pounding the pavement maybe we we have a future here with this these ideas well i hope so and you know as a business person uh, imagine if these schools could do a book study with the authors because we're available you know we have time we're available I, I i like kansas I'd, yeah. I'd love to go to kansas you've been there before i know my beautiful bride is from the state of kansas <laughs> there you go so we could so combine it with a, a trip to visit your in-laws as it were, sure. Or catch a Royals game. So it's baseball season, you know. You've been known to go to a baseball game. Uh, I have. Happened. Yes, sure. So. Um, well, did we exhaust the topic? Um, as I, I think you're, you're giving me uh, the, the little signal that we agreed on. I think we've, <laughs> we haven't run it into the ground, but almost. 
haven't run into the ground and I think we ended in a good spot where we have suggested some alternatives that might prove to be more effective or at least more in line with what the school leaders are hoping for. I like that. And, and we're not going to get hate mail from principals because you know, we were kind sure of kind, not. I, I think, because they're well intended in what they did and yes. they have to do something. I mean, if they did nothing... You were a bit harsher. You were a bit harsher than I was. Well, it does happen that way. I'm kind of, you know, and I thought you would be the complainer. That's our whole comedy <laughs> shtick there. So you're, you're complaining, and I kind of tease you. It's um, too late. I, I think I'm just kind of, I'm kind of just a little wacky, a little goofy right now. And so perhaps it's just the late hour. It might be. I'm playing the role of Ross Miller. <laughs> so, uh, well, excellent. Well, Let, let's uh, let's put a fork in it or something and call it a night something let's raise a glass and uh let's get on out of here all right Uh, have a good evening here dr bourgeois yes good evening yourself mr miller